Hey boys and girls, welcome to the best podcast in the history of mankind. It's Monty's Rockcast. And now here's your host, Monty Calvin. Hey, 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 welcome to the Rockcast. I am your host, Monty Calvin. He sucks! Thanks so much for joining me, and thanks so much to my sexy wife and sexy announcer girl, Lindsay. She's hot. She's been introducing my show now for, I think it's been about eight years. And I know some of you have been listening since episode one, but I know there's also a lot of you guys who didn't hear those early episodes. And it's just as well, because a lot of those episodes weren't that great, and I made a lot of mistakes. And one of the things that I did wrong back then was I hired this dude that went by the name of Scary Announcer Guy. And at first he didn't do a bad job and he sounded like this. It's time for Yeah, and I was fine with that, but after a while, he just kind of started slacking, and uh, he started doing stuff like this. Welcome to the worst podcast in the history of mankind. All right, hang on right there. It's... Stop. Stop the music. All right, listen, I know you've been gone for a while, but it's the best podcast in the history of mankind. Not the worst. Oh, sorry. All right, let's try it again. Welcome to the best podcast in the history of mankind. Well, you can obviously hear that I was very frustrated. And it just got to the point where he was just phoning it in, and I just uh, had to finally let him go. Well, the other day I had somebody ask me, hey, whatever happened to that guy? And I got to checking around, and I did locate him. And so for any of you who have been wondering, uh, here for the first time is a rock cast. Where are they now? The year was 2009. Uh, hey, Lindsay. Huh? Lindsay. What? Uh, I think it was 2008. Oh. Yeah, why don't you try it again? The year was 2008. There you go. Or 2009. I'm not really sure. Huh? Anyway, a man who would become known as Scary Announcer Guy got a job with Monty's Rockcast. I'll be honest. At first, I didn't have any experience. But I got the job, so I was happy. But after a while, I guess the pressure just got to me. And before I knew it, I was having to do drugs just to get through a show. Scary announcer guy's drug abuse eventually became a problem that Monty could no longer deal with. Hey, I like the guy, but you know, he started showing up late. He couldn't remember the name of the show. And one time I was doing a top ten list, and he was supposed to say number five, and he said number six. I mean, come on. After being fired by Monty's Rockcast, Scary was forced to hit the streets and look for work. When you've got a voice like mine, it's actually kind of hard to find people who will hire you. I briefly got a job doing commercials for monster truck shows. You know, stuff like Sunday... 
monster trucks, that kind of thing. Unfortunately, monster truck shows only come around about once a year, and sadly, Mr. Announcer Guy ended up broke and homeless. I'm not gonna lie, it sucked. And uh, for a while there, I didn't know what I was gonna do. But one day I saw this ad in a newspaper, and it said, Death Metal Band, looking for vocalist. So I went and tried out, and they liked me. It was a perfect fit. Disemboweled horse vomit now had the vocalist they were looking for, and Scary Announcer Guy could now do all the drugs he wanted. These days, he lives in Florida, where he shares a one-bedroom apartment with a groupie he met on the road. Sometimes people ask me if I miss doing the rock cast, and I always tell them, uh, not really, no. To be honest, Monty was kind of a jerk. And this concludes the latest episode of Rockcast. Where are they now? Wait a minute, what was the last thing he said? All right, well, I hope you found that interesting and informative. I didn't like that at all. Okay, good. It's a, it's a comedy skit. Well, after the last episode, I heard a lot from you guys. Uh, you sent me comments and questions and suggestions for Make Me Choose and Top Tens. And so I've got my hands full today. But I'm going to get things started with a great email that I got from Steve in Connecticut. And Steve says, hey, 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 Monty, going back to your last podcast, I also have a hard time sleeping, and I was about to try one of those my pillows. Have you tried that out? Well, you know, Steve, uh, I actually bought one of those for my wife, Lindsay, and uh, she seems to love it because I can't hardly ever wake her up. So, yeah, maybe I should get one for myself. That is so helpful. Steve also wanted to let me know that Marie Osmond does commercials for Nutrisystem and not Weight Watchers, which is what I said. He said, I'd hate for you to get a nasty email from Marie and have the Rockcast be considered fake news. It's always been fake. Well, thanks for setting me straight on that, Steve, and I sincerely apologize for that uh, terrible faux pas. Apparently, I was paying too much attention to Marie Osmond and not enough on whatever she was selling. But I will say this, uh, she must be in her 60s by now, and uh, whatever she's using, she should keep using, because it's working. She's a little bit country, and she's a little bit good-looking for her age. Just keeps getting better. Steve also had a couple of questions for me, and the first one was, uh, my oldest is about to start her freshman year in high school in a few weeks, and it made me think of my first day as a freshman. What would be the one thing you would do different on your first day of high school, Monty? Or could you give me any advice I can share with her? Well, Steve, this may be a little difficult to answer because things have changed so much since I was in high school. I know you're talking about going back into ancient history. 
First of all, when I was a freshman, uh, this would have been in the 70s. And back then, it was still okay to bully somebody. If you were getting picked on, the teachers would just kind of turn their head and look the other way. And I was such a geek. I was walking around with these pants that uh, came up to about my mid-ankle. And those were known as high-water pants. And I was not aware on just how very uncool that was. And all of my classmates are walking around with these giant bell bottoms that cover their shoes completely and they're just dragging on the floor. And so, of course, they come over and just start making fun of me. And they're like, hey, doofus, are you ready for the floods? And oh, I was just so demoralized. But you see, I don't think that kind of thing would happen today. Because if you go into a high school or junior high, there are signs everywhere. No bullying. That seems to be about the most important thing of their agenda. Make sure no one gets their feelings hurt. Of course, there were no such rules when I went to high school, and so I just had to figure out ways to make myself be a little bit cooler. And that's the reason why I went out and bought an electric guitar. Ah, so if I had it to do over today, I'd go walking into school day one looking kind of like I am right now, except a lot younger. I'd have hair that was down to my shoulders, I'd have some shorts and Chuck Taylors on, and I'd be wearing an Iron Maiden t-shirt. And if somebody didn't like it, I'd tell them they could check out my band and kiss my ass. Isn't that nice? Now, Steve, that advice may not work for your daughter, so I would just tell her to be confident in who she is and not pay a lot of attention to what other people think or say. Because most people are followers. They follow the trends, they follow what they see and hear on TV and on YouTube and the internet. And that's why most of them have very boring personalities. And so I hope that helps. You're not helping anybody! Steve in Connecticut also had one more question, and it was, Who would you put on your Mount Rushmore of bass players? You know, I've never really thought about, like, who are the best four bass players ever. I've got my own personal favorites, but uh, let's see. If I'm going to pick the four greatest, I'll start with Jocko Pastorius. I'm not a jazz guy at all, but if you've ever seen the documentary they did about him, that dude was unbelievable. I'd also have uh, Billy Sheehan up there. And I really hate to be like everybody else in the world, but uh, I gotta go Getty Lee. Getty Lee, best bass player ever, come on! As far as the last one, I know there's a bunch of virtuoso guys like Stu Ham and, uh, you know, uh, Victor Wooten, I think is his name. But I really don't care that much about it, uh, so I'm gonna go with uh, either John Entwistle... Cliff Burton or Steve Harris, you decide. I don't want to! Okay, kind of related to that, Stu in Minnesota, also known as G.F. Brand, wants me to choose between Cliff Burton or Phil Linnott. And in order to do this, I'm going to have to approach it from just a bass player alone perspective. And as a bass player, Cliff was just a scary metal god. So I would probably go with Cliff. But I love Phil Lennott equally because he had the voice, he was such a great songwriter, and he was the rocker.
I need to do a painting of Phil Lynott and put it on my website for sale. Yeah, that's a good idea. Because I'm doing a whole series of rock star paintings, and uh, you can check them out at montycalvin.net. <laughs> I see what you're doing. Yeah, did you notice how I slipped a little commercial in there? Yeah, I'm tricky like that. What a sellout he is! All right, I got some comments about the last show. Uh, Jeff Coons in Minnesota says, uh, Rock on, great topics as usual. Well, thanks, Jeff. I appreciate it. And uh, Jeff is a great photographer. Unlike me, a rank amateur at photography, Jeff actually knows what he's doing. And he's given me a lot of advice and helped me out a lot. And he takes some great photos at concerts. And he's got a really cool Facebook page called Coons for Three. And now I know that's a basketball reference because I'm into that kind of thing. But it's actually a photography page of some great rock star photos. And once again, it's K-U-N-Z-E, the number four, and then three, T-H-R-E-E. Coons for three. The guy takes some great rock and roll pictures. But anyway, what else? Let's see. I got some comments about that R.E.M. cover of the Aerosmith song. Sean McClure and Dirty Dan Wicker both thought it sucked. Dirty Dan said, why would R.E.M. do that? Nightmares forever. 
However, my buddy Jeff Moore said, although I hate R.E.M., and that was an atrocious cover, it actually wasn't as horrible as I thought it would be. It is that bad. I also got some comments about my lack of sleep here lately. Mark Darnell was apparently surprised, and he said, insomnia? Well, yeah, I don't understand it myself, but uh, even this morning, I woke up at 2.30, and I just got up at 3 a.m., However, I did get some advice on that from Paul Lloyd in the United Kingdom. What does Paul say? Paul said, vape some herb, brother, and you will sleep like a baby. Right. Oh, wait, though. Uh, Paul's from England, so it was probably more like, vape some herb, brother, and you will sleep like a baby. Well, thanks for the suggestion, Paul. Uh, I don't actually uh, partake in the herb. Never have, but uh, the other night I did take an ibuprofen PM, and that knocked me out for a few hours. All right. I also got an email from another guy named Paul. Uh, This one is Paul Angle, and he lives in Indianapolis. And Paul says he loves the show, and that when I mentioned Halcyon Way on the last episode, it reminded him of when he saw them open for Fate's Warning in Louisville, Kentucky in 2013. And that inspired him then to do a top 10 list, which is top 10 concerts that were memorable for reasons other than music. And it starts out at number 10 with, uh, strangely enough, Fate's Warning and Halcyon Way. Paul said the venue was behind a pool hall and you had to go up a flight of fire escape steps to get to the door. And apparently when he got in there, it sounded horrible. That would be annoying. Number nine is Bad Company and Damn Yankees. I guess Paul only wanted to see Damn Yankees, but because of a traffic jam, he missed their entire set. And then he was forced to sit through a crappy, holy water era bad company. Can you think of anything worse? Number eight was Anthrax and White Zombie. And Paul says, the only time I've ever felt nervous based on the crowd around me. Yeah, I get that. I've been to many shows where the fans were so obnoxious that they kind of ruined it for me. Yeah, I understand. But here's one that sounds interesting. At number seven, it's Motley Crue and Kiss. And Paul says that watching three generations of Kiss and Motley Crue groupies, grandma, mother, and daughter walking around, was outstanding. It was kind of the evolution of the skank. I'm okay with that. Number six sounds like a real bummer. It was Fate's Warning. And Paul says he was outside the venue and could hear the sound check going on. But then they canceled the show when one of the guitar players couldn't get there. And Paul didn't even get his money back. I'm outraged! Number five was Queensryche and Suicidal Tendencies. And apparently Paul was annoyed as he watched preppies wearing khaki shorts, boat shoes, and polos with their collars popped up and their girlfriends freak out during suicidal tendencies and the entirety of Operation Mindcrime, which they were there to hear silent lucidity. Well, you can obviously hear that Paul is frustrated, but uh, unfortunately it gets even worse. Number four is Bad Company and Damn Yankees once again with Steve Miller Band and Eric Johnson. 
And Paul was only there to see Eric Johnson, and you wouldn't think that would be too much to ask, would you? But once again, there's a giant traffic jam, and Paul gets there just as Eric's walking off the stage. Ah! Well, don't feel too bad, Paul, because uh, if it's any consolation, it's actually happened to me a couple times. Back when I lived in Houston, I think it was in the 80s, uh, me and Doug Pennick went to see Pat Travers. And we got there kind of late, and I ran in, and I paid like 20 bucks and walked in and heard like a few notes, and he said, thank you, good night. And I went back out to the ticket booth, and I told the lady, I only got to see half a song. And she said, yeah, tough shit. So I get it, I get it. Uh, Number three is Operation Rock and Roll Festival with Metal Church, Dangerous Toys, Motorhead, Alice Cooper, and Judas Priest. Well, come on, man. That sounds great. Uh, you know, what? Uh, what's the deal with that? Uh, oh, uh, Paul says, this was the first time I saw people in person having sex. Yes! Oh, okay. But I'll tell you, I still got to say, uh, what's wrong with that? That sounds great. It really does. Oh, uh, Paul says they were Motorhead fans. Yeah. Okay, I get that. I am very, very, very disgusted. Number two on Paul's list of most memorable concerts, it was Motley Crue, King's X, and Typo Negative. He says, we were there to see King's X and spent Motley Crue's entire set making fun of them, only to realize the old people behind us were giving us the stink eye because they were the family of Mick Mars. Go! Oh, well, that would have been a little awkward, yes. Uh, but that would bring us to number one on his list. And Paul says that his most memorable concert ever was Dream Theater and Galactic Cowboys in Indianapolis. It was on the Images and Words and Space in Your Face tour. And the reason why it was memorable and possibly disappointing was because the air conditioning in the venue was broken and it was 300 degrees inside. Paul says that when he left, he didn't know whether his face had melted off because of the heat or because the music was so awesome. Well, Paul, I'm going to guess it was because the music was so awesome, but I too will never forget that show because that was the most excruciatingly hot I have ever been while on a stage. It was like an oven in there, and I used to have some video of it. I don't know if I still do. But you could see the sweat just pouring off of our arms and hands like somebody had put a water hose on top of us. And we started out the set fully clothed, but about one song in, we all just took our shirts off. And that's something I almost never did back then because A, I've never had the six-pack abs. And B, unless you're David Lee Roth or Paul Stanley, uh, it's probably just not a good idea to take your shirt off. No! But we took them off that night just so we could survive and not pass out. And I can't imagine standing there for several hours uh, just to watch that crap. So I gotta say, Paul, you are a real trooper. And that, my friend, was an excellent list. I really enjoyed that. I thought the thing was never going to end, to be perfectly honest. Okay, I want to do some Facebook questions now uh, because I love doing these. And I found some recently that are pretty good. And the first one is, what is a word or phrase people use that you cannot stand? Well, I really hate all these political catchphrases and words like uh, diversity 
Everything's got to be fair. Whatever happened to just being the best person for the job? Why has it got to be about skin color? You're a racist. Another one is woke. I saw Rosie O'Donnell outside of the White House the other day screaming that she's woke. Well, you may be Rosie, but you're also hideous. Homophobe! But I guess that's better than being a racist, right? Because the word that everybody just wants to say constantly is racism. He's a racist. They're a racist. The president is a racist. I know it's the truth! And I really just don't get that because uh, before Trump was the president, I used to watch him on The Apprentice. And one season on the finals, he had Clay Aiken, a gay guy, and Arsenio Hall, a black guy. And Arsenio Hall won. It does not matter! And then another season, he had this woman of color named Amarosa. And every week, I would say, I hate her. She's a horrible human being. Why does Trump like her? I don't know. But then he ended up hiring her at the White House. So if Trump is a racist, I guess that makes me one too because uh, those MS-13 gang members that chop people up with machetes, I think they're animals also. You are therefore a a fan of the KKK and you're a racist. So yeah, can we just get off the racism thing for like five seconds? I'm sure there are truly racist people out there. But for the most part, I think most of us just have a low tolerance for people who are assholes. It doesn't matter if you're white, black, or gay, or whatever. If you're a jerk, I'm probably not going to like you. It's just that simple. Oh, hate speech, hate speech. All right, here's one I think I answered before, but I got to do it again because it's a good one. It's, what is something you are sick of seeing on Facebook? Well, I may offend some of the musicians who listen to my show with this, but here goes. I keep seeing guys who are in bands, uh, some of them are cover bands, but they will post pictures of like uh, the inside of a club or the stage or, uh, you know, a crowd of people. And they'll say something like, this is my office tonight. And I just want to say, please stop doing that because that looks douchier than, uh, you know, taking your shirt off. Whoa! I mean, we all get it. You're making some money now playing Man in a Box by Alice in Chains. Good for you. But don't call that county fair or that slimy club that you're playing for the night the office. Because that is an insult to people who have real jobs and actually work for a living. But whatever, if you want to ignore my advice and keep doing that stuff, we'll uh, be my guest. But it does look douchey, I'm just saying. I really don't understand how it's so damn hard for people to comprehend. The next question I found on Facebook is, what is an artist whose only album you own of theirs, a greatest hits album? Well, I don't have a lot of Greatest Hits albums because if I really love an artist, I want all of their stuff. And the other reason is because Greatest Hits are usually the songs that have been played to death on the radio that I never want to hear again. But one of them that I do have is ABBA Gold. 
It's got about 20 songs on there, and, you know, about every eight months I go, hmm, I think I'll listen to Dancing Queen. Don't be stupid, please. The other one I have is The Best of Fleetwood Mac, and uh, that's the only album by Fleetwood Mac that I own. You're embarrassing yourself, okay? And they're one of those weird bands for me, because when I think about them, I'm just kind of like, eh, they're all right. But then I'll hear a song by them that I haven't heard for a while, and I'll go, man, that was great. Like, I love that tune, Little Lies. I don't even know what album it was on, but uh, just a cool tune. Another Fleetwood Mac song that I really love is The Chain. I know it's a tune that we've all heard a thousand times, but the other day I was in a store and it came on and I'm like, God, I didn't realize how great this song was. I love the harmony vocals on this song, but at the end, Lindsey Buckingham tears it up on guitar. And I love the way he plays lead. And I heard that they're doing a tour without him. And I just think that is so insane because I've always thought he was the coolest thing about that band. Alright, I got a couple more questions from you guys, and here's one from Matt in St. Louis. And Matt says, Hey Monty, I was listening to the Horse That Bud Bought album a few days ago by Galactic Cowboys, and I really think that that's my favorite Galactic Cowboys album. I was singing along to it in the car. Do you ever listen to GC albums and sing along? What a crazy question! You know, Matt, when I'm in the car listening to music, I actually do sing along. However, I just don't happen to ever be listening to Galactic Cowboys. Oh, really? Don't get me wrong. I love my band and I love those albums. 
But after all these years, you still think I sit around listening to my own stuff? Uh, Well, not very often. Nobody does. Unless we've got a show coming up and I'm having to relearn all those songs, uh, I'm usually listening to other people's music. So, no, I don't usually sing along to GC in the car unless uh, Lindsay's got it on shuffle and we just happen to pop up. And if that's the case, and it's a song like uh, Never Understand or Ants or something like that, uh, that's pretty fun because I'll tell you, I can sound just like the guy. It's not that difficult, is it? Okay, this was weird. I got almost the same question from two different guys. And the first one I got was from Matthew Bouchard, and he says, Hi, Monty, I'm a big GC fan, especially the first album. It's a perfect album, and it was the first prog album I enjoyed since I was little. But I have a question for you. Why was the reprise of Ranch on Mars on the first album, but the full song on the second album as a hidden track? And the second question was from Steve Elliott, who said, Why did you guys decide to hide the Ranch on Mars and Still Life of Peace tracks behind a bunch of empty blank tracks on Space in Your Face? Well, thanks to both of you guys for those questions, and now here's the answer. Well, when Galactic Cowboys first got together, we didn't have a name, and the first one we came up with was Hall of Souls. Well, we decided that didn't really fit us, and our manager, Sam Taylor, suggested Galactic Cowboys. And when I heard it, I thought, yeah, that's out there, kind of like we are. And almost immediately, I got an idea to write us a theme song. And so I wrote this song that combined thrash and country western and all kinds of vocal harmonies. And it was called Galactic Cowboys Theme Song, and we all loved it. In fact, I kind of figured it would probably be the first song on the album. And while we were in pre-production, we decided to write a reprise for that song. And so we thought, okay, well, the theme song will come early in the album, and then the reprise will be at the end. Well, our A&R man at Geffen was a guy named Gary Gersh. And when we were doing the sequencing for the album, uh, Gary was like, uh, yeah, I don't think you should use that song. It's too weird, and uh, nobody has a theme song. And you know me, I was like, yeah, exactly. We're weird, and nobody else does it. Why not? But he eventually talked us out of putting it on there, but we did decide to leave the reprise. Well, in between the first and second albums, I decided to write a new version with new lyrics. And this time, it was not called Galactic Cowboy Theme Song. It was called Ranch on Mars. And we played it for Gersh and said, hey, how about we put this on the second album? And he said, yeah, no. Ah! And so as a compromise, we said, okay, well, how about if we just hide it? We'll get to put it on an album, and if our fans find it somehow, well, then they'll be happy. So that's what we did, and that's why that song is a hidden track on the second album. Now, looking back after all these years, was Gary Gersh wrong? Was Gary Gersh an idiot? Well, Gary Gersh was also the guy who signed Nirvana, so I guess not. But if for some reason you've never heard that weird song, well, uh, it sounds a little bit like this.
probably the weirdest song I've ever written. And when we got in the studio, we took it even farther out there. We wanted to mix in some Sgt. Pepper sounding stuff. And we thought it'd be cool if it had some trumpet on there like they did on Penny Lane. And I remembered back when I was in high school, I was a fan of this guy named Andre Crouch. And he had a trumpet player in his band named Fletch Wiley. And I knew Fletch lived in Houston, and so I asked our producer, Sam Taylor, uh, do you think we could get that guy? Well, next thing you know, Fletch was in the studio with us just doing all these amazing trumpet parts. And that's just the way we rolled back then. Uh, We would try anything. And it didn't always work, but sometimes you ended up with some weird-ass creations like this song. All right, let's do one of my favorite segments. It's called Make Me Choose. And the first one comes from Jimmy G in Chicago, and he wants me to choose between Ozzy Osbourne and Ronnie James Dio. And that's a tough one because I like them both. They were both in Black Sabbath, but when I think of Sabbath, I think of Ozzy. But the stuff that Ronnie James Dio did with Sabbath was also great. As far as solo careers, you know, I guess I'll go with Ozzy just based on the great guitar players that he always has. But if you asked me to pick between the two guys just based on vocals, I would go with Ronnie James Dio. I loved him when he was in Rainbow, and he is just one of the ultimate uh, heavy metal vocalists of all time. And what the hell do you know, old man? Next one is from Todd Walker, and he says, You are stranded on a desert island. The good news is that you can have tunes. The bad news is that you can only have one artist, and you can only choose between Beyonce or Loverboy. Well, thanks for your suggestion, Todd. And yes, my hatred for Beyonce is a well-known fact. And given the choice between Beyonce or sitting in silence on a desert island, I would go for the silence. But Loverboy, well, you uh, actually could have made it much more difficult. 
for instance, Beyonce or uh, Ariana Grande or uh, Nicki Minaj. But Loverboy, yeah, they were kind of the nickelback of the 80s. They were apparently incredibly popular, but you couldn't find anybody who would admit to listening to them. That's true. But they actually had a few songs that I didn't mind, so I'll go with Loverboy. I'm not okay with this. Let's see, we got a couple here from Steve Elliott. Uh, He wants me to pick between Schools Out by Alice Cooper or Rock and Roll All Night by Kiss. Well, they are both classic rock and roll anthems, and I probably heard both of them way too much. But I will go with Rock and Roll All Night by Kiss. It's a great tune, and it also reminds me that I wanted to thank Scott Stevens for buying the painting I did of uh, Gene Simmons from KISS. So thank you, Scott. Next, Steve wants me to choose between two Metallica albums. Is it Master of Puppets or Ride the Lightning? And I personally consider both of these just complete masterpieces. And so it's pretty much impossible for me to pick between them. And it's such a toss-up that I'm going to literally flip a coin right now. It's going to be Heads, Master of Puppets, and Tails, Ride the Lightning. And so here we go. And it is Heads, Master of Puppets. That is pretty darn amazing. Let's do one more from Steve, and he says, uh, Fruity Pebbles or Cocoa Pebbles? In other words, this is a battle between two breakfast cereals that I have never eaten. So it's going to be almost impossible for me to pick between these, but it does raise the question, uh, are the people who make these breakfast cereals trying to kill us? I mean, could anything be less healthy than a bowl full of sugar? I don't think so. But my 11-year-old stepson, that's all he wants. And the other day he asked Lindsay if she would get him the Oreo O's, which is basically just uh, eating Oreo cookies for breakfast. That sounds delish. And sure, I ate Fruit Loops and Captain Crunch when I was a kid. And now that I think about it, maybe that's why I'm a type 2 diabetic now. That's right. So I'm more of a bran person now. I'll put a little granola or uh, strawberries on there. But honestly, if you're going to eat breakfast food that's really bad for you, I say go all out. Just pour yourself a big bowl of gobstoppers and Twizzlers and have it with a side of bacon and orange juice. Oh, wait a minute. Orange juice is too healthy for you. Let's substitute that with a, uh, let's say, Dr. Pepper. Ah, there you go. Okay, I'm going to end the show today with a song by a band that I love called We Came as Romans. And last week, I got the really sad news that their singer, Kyle Pavone, had passed away. And I was really bummed to hear that. Uh, Lindsay and I were big fans. We'd been to see them about three or four times. And they always put on a great show. And I know a lot of you guys don't care for the metalcore or screamo or whatever, but uh, Kyle was just such a great singer with an incredible voice. And I'll really miss seeing him sing and perform. And I don't know what'll happen to We Came As Romans. Maybe they'll break up. Who knows? But I've still got their music, and I'm going to play for you a song called A Moment. 
And there's a vocal part toward the end of the song where they hit a harmony that just blows me away every time. So check that out. But that's going to do it for me for now. You can always get a hold of me on Facebook or at my website, montycalvin.net, where you can find my CDs, T-shirts, and paintings. I've also got a bunch of pictures of myself and Hot Lindsay. And you might even see yourself on there because I've got a Rockcast photo page. If you want to be a part of that, just send me a picture of yourself wearing a Rockcast t-shirt. Not a chance. I'll be back soon with more fun and mayhem, but until then, this has been Monty saying take care, don't let anyone tell you what to like, unless it's me, and rock on.
This has been Monty's Rockcast. That's it. That's it?